Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry, episode 176. As always, I'm joined by Dom. It is an honor to be here with both of you tonight. And <laughs> and Jordan. Well, Dom, the honor is all mine, as I uh, spoke to you guys before the show. This will be my final run of episodes leading up to the final 180 that I'll be on. And so the honor is absolutely all mine, gentlemen. Thank you so much for being on the show with me for 180 plus episodes. We have bonuses and stuff. Yeah, well, the, the writers said that we've had enough hair on the show, and Jordan refused yep. to get a haircut. So exactly. We had to have him written have to kill off. Me off. <laughs> yeah. Yep, we got to got him write him off the show. Uh, it's it's been a long ride. Uh, it's gonna suck to have you go, but you know, for those listening. The last episode he's going to be on 180. We're going to try to do a special Jordan centric, Jordan focused podcast. So definitely oh, check out that. Uh, and you'll, you know, after he leaves the show, you can still follow him on the Twitters and everything and see what he's up to. Yeah. And to uh, commemorate this, today I found out that we got our first five star review on iTunes, which is dope. There you we know, go. One review doesn't me. sound like a lot, but the call to action for such a small community like we have, you know, it's not like Somebody... you can just say something and, you know. Somebody listened to one of our shows and they were like, yes, please. And they made that <laughs> review. And to clarify, we don't have any other reviews. So I'm not saying this is our first five-star review. This is our first review and yes. it happens to be a five-star. So that's great. Also, also to clarify, I just said that I'm leaving the show without giving any reason whatsoever. <laughs> so um, as I mentioned to you guys, I've decided to take an actual break from video gaming podcasts in general. Uh, an indefinite hiatus, I guess, if you will. And uh, with that being said, that doesn't work so well if I'm still uh, on a video game podcast every week. So uh, shifting away from that in my life is going to mean that uh, probably what's best for me is that I move on from this show. And so it really isn't any hard feelings. We were just talking about <clears throat> how we're still going to, you know, keep our chat open and uh all those sorts of things so um it is it is a friendly parting if you will and to be able to do a podcast for 180 weeks you know give or take skipping yeah. weeks and stuff it's like four years now right because it was the start of 2016 yeah with the same three people it's it yeah. to even have that much time to talk to you guys about video games i'll cherish you know what i mean and obviously me yeah, and Dom will still be doing is. it until Dom leaves me too and I'm left alone in the rain. <laughs> <laughs> it is cool, like you said, that we have that library to go back to of like, oh, I remember when, you know, Jared and I were playing uh, this game or Dom and Jared were playing Sekiro or whatever, you know, there's there's cool milestones there. Well, and it's, it's weird because like our, our friendship with one another, all three of us kind of grew through the podcast, you know what I mean? Because obviously yeah. we live so far away from one another, so it's really cool. Definitely. Not a lot of people can say they did a podcast with two of their friends for almost four years, you know? It's awesome. Exactly. Uh, Happy to have done it. Happy to keep doing it for another few weeks. Never go full Jordan unless it's the final few episodes. <laughs> chat. So let's I'm excited. Let's head into the rundown. We got some news stories here. We don't really have a huge topic this week. There was enough really good pieces of news that I just kind of wanted to go through those. The first one is primarily in my wheelhouse because I know neither of you really care about Apex Legends. But mm. I wanted to talk about it specifically for the way that they introduced their new legend to the game. So let me set things up. 
since around Halloween of last year in 2019, Apex Legends has been teasing their next legend, right? And from all the clues and tidbits that the internet has been finding, it was supposed to be this guy called Revenant. That's supposed Whoa. to be... Real quick, we're walking into February, and they've been teasing this for how many months now? Since they October? Only, they only teased it on Halloween. People have been trying to figure out what that okay. tease meant since then. Sorry, I didn't clarify that clearly. That's still three months. Like, yeah. for a character drop in a video game, when we think about, like, shadow drops and all this, and they're out there teasing an individual character for three months, so that's... Well, here's must the have thing. Something with that, they must have an audience, you know, that cares. And, and yeah, it's kind of like this with these hero shooters, and obviously this is a battle royale, where they only release three or four characters a year, so they kind of make it a big deal. With this one, it was interesting. So people found out that it was going to be this character called Revenant, who's this r evil, murderous, assassin robot. It's kind of like the antithesis to Pathfinder. You guys know Pathfinder, right, from Apex Legends? It's like the robot character in that game. It has like a smiley yeah, emoji on his face. Yeah, he was my immediate turnoff to Apex Legends because I was like, oh, it's a quirky robot with a sense of humor and like he's clever with his jokes and stuff. How it's many like one of the fucking times. <laughs> it's like one of the service bots from Titanfall, right? Because obviously Apex is in that same universe. So people are wondering when is this guy going to get announced? Yada yada yada. Last week they started talking about season four of Apex Legends, and they introduced this new legend. His name being Forge. Now you're going to say, well, that's not Revenant, right? So Forge no, is basically a big, bulky. He's John Cena with the metal arm. Is the easiest way to describe him. He was going to be their first melee character, melee-focused character, right? Because there is melee in Apex Legends, even though it's primarily focused on first-person shooting. So they introduced this guy, and people were like, oh, people, half of the audience was split. Half of them were like, oh, cool, melee-centric legend. The other half were like, what happened to Revenant? So a couple of days passed, and they, you know, they, they talked about his abilities and stuff. A couple of days passed, they uploaded an animated video of this Forge character getting interviewed by a news station because he was entering the Apex games. And 15 seconds, with 15 seconds left in that video, Revenant comes out of nowhere, shuts down the power in the facility, and kills him. Like, Stone Cold kills him. So they made all gotcha. of this fanfare to gotcha. introduce this new character, right? This Forge guy. And then they just killed him. And people are like, oh, that's, a, you know, is it just a weird, like, marketing thing? Then they did a follow-up uh, thing where it's like a news report talking about, like, yeah, that dude's dead. They even point, uh, like poked fun at it, saying, like, he was never defeated in battle except this one time. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it was a really cool reveal because it went from faking out your audience to disappointing yeah. half your audience to, like, bringing it all back and having a surprise introduction of this guy. Today, the day of recording this on January 30th, they released the trailer for Revenant, and he is horrifying. So basically his backstory is he was a human assassin that was manipulated and experimented on by Hammond Industries, which is like the the bad tech facility for yeah. the world of Apex Legends. And they manipulated him and experimented on him so much that he eventually became way more robot than human, right? So he's not even a cyborg anymore. They just replaced him time over time over time. And with that, he even lost his human side, that being his empathy and, and moral standards and everything. And he's just like this brutal killing machine. Um, and in the trailer, they set up probably what's going to be a future character. The daughter of the guy he assassinates in the trailer 
at the last scene of the trailer, she's seen crying over her dad's dead body. So you vengeance. Th- yeah, exactly. I just thought it was a really cool reveal because they tease this guy, then they introduce this new character, did all the artwork, the assets, came up with abilities for him, only to just to kill him. <laughs> yeah, they just like murdered this dude. Um, well, Jared, if I'm being honest, that kind of reminds me of these marketing campaigns for Apex, Overwatch, basically any game that is going to be uh, revealing a character other than like Smash in the way that they do. Um, because I think it's really cool that they do this. It's very cool that they have the fanfare and that they go all in on it. But then it's weird that they have these uh, like narratives going on in the trailers, but then there's no like storyline or cutscene in the game. And I've already, I know I've already said this before on the show, so I, I apologize for repeating myself. But nonetheless, it's just like, it just feels like such a tease. You know, it just feels like <laughs> yeah, the I want to jump into that game and like play through a storyline even if it's through online multiplayer you know i think a really cool way they could evolve this in the future and i hope maybe overwatch 2 does this in apex legends on next gen is they are whenever a new character gets released they can release it alongside a single player narrative chapter it doesn't need to be its own like full eight hour campaign but a nice experience to tell the story too i agree with you that that's the the worst part about seeing the new overwatch uh, trailers with their beautiful CG is that it's a tease because we don't have that. You know what I mean? We want right. like an Overwatch movie or even a single player campaign, and we don't get that. So See, yeah, I agree with you. It's kind of like they teasing. would do if they would do a separate animated movie, then I'd be like, cool, you're good. But it's just like, why go to all this trouble to like build up this kind of like animated universe type of thing, and then I don't know. It's like. You got me enticed. Anytime you ha- you have a a connected story, you know, a narrative, like I said, you've got me enticed. And then to hear that it doesn't pan out, it's like, yeah, you guys could obviously do it. I mean, we're talking about Overwatch. We're talking about Apex Legends. Those are coming from some of the probably wealthiest developers in all the lands. So they could certainly do it, you know. My, my hope is that maybe Titanfall 3 evolves into like an Apex Legends single player game you know in some way mm. i'd be really interested in that um <clears throat> next yeah, up it's gonna be just real quick it's gonna be interesting to see how the mainline titanfall franchise responds to apex legends with it not having the titanfall name in it you know like how is that gonna how because apex legends really kind of distance itself from the titanfall of it all like there's not a lot I don't think there's like guys that just guys or gals that just played uh, Titanfall and enjoyed it and finished it, whatever. And then uh, they may not play a bunch of video games and they hear about Apex Legends, but they probably have no idea that it's connected to Titanfall whatsoever. So it'll be interesting to see how Titanfall Three, whatever it's called, if it's you know maybe even its title has some kind of connection to either the word Apex or Legends to to throw back to that now that they have uh, these two like separate branches but successful branches in this one franchise yeah it's going to be like is it going to have a subtitle so people know it's related to Apex or is it going to be right. primarily named after Apex because is that franchise I mean, bigger than Titanfall now like you know how do you balance that out could it's it be, be Titanfall odd. Legends could it be Titanfall Apex you know that would make sense if you think about it yeah 
it, it's a it, it, it's interesting for respawn in general because they have those options and obviously the Titanfall franchise hasn't been treated exceptionally well by ea with its sure, shows and sure. release dates and such so we'll see what happens uh yeah. I, I knew that you guys wouldn't be super interested in that i just thought it was a clever you know character reveal that we hadn't really seen um, interesting nonetheless when you look at the way that they're doing things now you know the way that these character reveals come about yeah and I applaud them for putting in because they had to pay artists and stuff to make all of those assets for that Forge character you know and a voice actor because he's Jared, fully that's, voiced that's exactly what I thought as soon as you said they killed him I was like oh cool that's how they reveal Revenant and it was through you know this other guy's story but what about the character designers that that designed him as if he were on the level with all the other guys that you're going to be paying for, you know, and that you're going to be playing with for hours and hours and hours? My assumption is they'll bring him back somehow, like he'll be maybe even more cyborg than what he was before, you know? <laughs> like he didn't die, they, like, revived him somehow. Yeah, kind of they, like, there. they get, like, just his data chip or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, this is something that all three of us are going to be super excited for because we all just recently binged The Witcher and we all love that franchise. According to an official posted synopsis by Netflix, the recently announced Witcher animated film will supposedly focus on Vesemir's origin story. There we fucking go. Now, who's Vesemir, Don? Vesemir? Yes. The older Witcher? That kind of like. There you go. He's Geralt's master. Yeah. That Geralt's Yoda is what yep. we want to know about. He's Geralt's Yoda, yeah. So that's what we want to know about. You raise Geralt because uh, they are essentially like orphans or, you know, they're essentially orphans, witchers, that uh, can survive the mutations. Like, unfortunately, a lot of them die off as children. So they have a weird relationship, to say the least, and it'll be cool how they bring him about. And I'm certainly... I felt like they were really teasing him at the end of season one, so I'm certainly interested to see how he comes into play in the Netflix live-action Witcher stuff. Yeah, and I think giving his backstory, because everybody who watched The Witcher isn't necessarily going to be down to watch an animated film, you know what I mean? Obviously a good portion of them, but there are those people who just like don't like animated movies, right? But for those people who are interested, it'll give them enough built-in context for that character yeah. When they introduce him in season two, you know, it's a really I, interesting I think way to do it. It's going to be one of those like interesting side stories that you do not need to watch yep. at all, but is just for the fans that want it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I got a got a hot take on this one. I got a bold prediction. Maybe not that bold. Wait, those are two different. So, a hot take or a bold prediction? Yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 interested bold. how it could be both. <laughs> A, a hot take is like a bold when prediction. I tell you okay. you're an idiot for your bold prediction. Um, so it's been, you know, talked about that, you know, a lot of people want Mark Hamill to be Vesemir in season <coughs> two, right? There we go. And so... Voicing him? And he he even responded, I guess, to some of the rumors like, yeah, sure, I'll do it, you know, in his Mark Hamill kind of dopey, charmy way, right? Um, yeah. But... Obviously, Mark Hamill is also experienced as a voice actor. So, Absolutely. I mean, he could do both, right? He could voice oh, Vesemir yeah. in. Oh yeah, uh, that'd be depending great. Depending on how how young they want to make Vesemir in this animated movie, right? Um, but that would be cool if they had that continuity, and it's 
Mark Hamill voicing the animated character, but then also Mark Hamill playing the real character. I don't know how many times that's happened in media. Um, where it worked I think out he that could way, even but... do whatever age they need him to be because he will still jump into uh, voice acting roles for like higher pitched characters, for example, and totally nail it. Okay, yeah. I believe it. Yeah, that's my. I just thought that would be cool. Yeah. When this was announced to be a Vesemir origin story, and obviously the Mark Hamill stuff, I'm like, yeah, he can voice act. He's a brilliant voice yeah. actor. You know what I mean? Have him yeah. do that too. Yes. Uh, Let's do it. This next news story, you know, it's not super interesting, but it was some breaking news that came out earlier before we started recording. EA stated today in a stakeholder conference uh, that they will release 14 titles in their 2021 fiscal year. So that's between April of this year and March of next year. And they kind of broke it down a little bit. So four of these sports titles, uh, four of them will be sports titles, which you would assume FIFA, Madden, possibly NBA Live. And what do you say, Trent? That's not very many. I thought more of them would be sports. Yeah. So FIFA, Madden, you would assume NBA Live, and then something I'm missing that EA puts out as a sports title. NHL, yes, sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Dom. Four other major titles. So we'd assume Battlefront 3 or something or, you know, no clue there. It just says four other major titles. You assume AAA. Next, four titles from third-party indie developers. One of these, uh, I hope, is the supposed KOTOR remake that's being, you know, done out out of EA's publishing house. Um, and then you'd assume, what's their partner program called again? Uh, EA, not EA Play. Originals. EA Originals. Yeah, you'd assume there's it's that next game from uh, Var- uh, Vargas, right? Because his team's working on another game out after A Way Out. You'd assume one of his uh, games is one of those four indie titles. Is that his name? Joseph Fargus, isn't it? Is it Fargus? Hold on. Now you have me. Let's see. Quick. Joseph. Ferris. Ferris. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Uh, Joseph Ferris. And the last two are mobile games and soft launch, whatever that means. Um, the interesting thing is they EA talked about Nintendo's sales success for 2020, which we'll get into later. And they basically said, like, yeah, it's really cool that all of these games are selling super well, but most of them are just Nintendo titles. So basically saying without saying is, like, yeah, we're going to stick to our current plan. We're not going to bring over Madden, you know. We're going to have FIFA be, like, a legacy title that comes over, which is kind of disappointing because I'd love to have Madden on on the Nintendo Switch, but, you know, whatever. So is anybody playing their sports games on the Switch, Jared? Like, well, there's not very many, right? There's NBA 2K and there's FIFA. Yeah, but of those two, do you think that that's like... Do you think that there were guys that were playing one of those two games year in, year out, and then when the Switch came out, they switched to the Switch? No, 100% no. And that's the tough part, because there's also not... You don't have carryover progress, so I can't like play my franchise that I have on my Xbox on my Nintendo Switch, you know? Obviously Madden's right, not on right. the Nintendo Switch. And yeah. also one thing is the free-to-play mobile versions of these games. Like, Madden Mobile is free-to-play. And oftentimes for Nintendo's handhelds, Madden on those don't look very good. So it's like, why would we port Madden to this handheld to look like an inferior product when we already have our mobile version? Like, to me, EA is more likely to put Madden Mobile on Switch than an actual Madden title, which is upsetting, yeah. you know? I think they'd be more willing to do that. But, And that's the thing, too, is 
when we'll get into it about how many switches have sold and all that Madden ultimate team makes a buttload of money and to me it's like why wouldn't you release it on other platforms you can get you know grow that exponentially but maybe they just don't think it's worth it to put in that effort because maybe they do see the sales numbers and it's like well yeah people on switch buy the hit indie games and they buy the nintendo products but we don't see a lot of movement on our specific titles we have on the switch you know maybe well the reason for that is just not powerful enough it really yeah isn't. And I doubt they're optimized. I doubt EA puts in the time to optimize them to run on lower performing stuff. I, they probably put in the minimum. I don't know. They effort. probably have to to even get them running. Yeah, I guess more. I'm thinking more from a like they're willing to strip out modes and stuff, yeah. you know, yeah. in favor in favor of putting in like extra work to try to tweak things to mi- like the fact that Doom works on it. Madden with its all of its features should be able to work on it. I know I'm not a game I developer, mean, and it's like, oh, it just works. Yeah. Oh, that's it's weird point. though that like Nintendo has brought all brought over all these M-rated titles, and so it's like now you've really got the adults on your system, but you still don't want to make something powerful enough to actually run the games that they want to play. Yeah. Uh. This next story, Phil Spencer, our boy, Mr. Game Pass himself. Mr. Has been Game Pass. <laughs> been spending a little bit of time in Japan with partners. Obviously, oh, on this podcast, we talked about before yeah. that Xbox has little to no footprint in Japan. Uh, from the business aspect of things, people are believing that xCloud could dynamically shift that relationship uh, with the game streaming and everything. Um, so we'll see what happens there. But Phil specifically, earlier uh, last week, he tweeted he was going to Japan And he had a follow-up here at the end of his week. He stated, Amazing week in Japan talking Xbox Series X, Game Pass, and Project X Cloud with publishers and studios. Played announced and unannounced games, talked E3 2020, and discussed gaming's future. Always come away motivated by the amazing creative talent here in Japan. I want to know from you guys, what are the chances, do you think, that we see a partnership with a Japanese studio at the E3 2020, or if they have an event before the Xbox, you know, Series X <coughs> unveiling presentation, you think we'll see that, something? I think it's 100%. Because they have had a strong relationship the last couple of years. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 revealed at Xbox's E3 conference. Book it. <laughs> if they were to get that over Sony, that'd be pretty crazy. Uh, yeah, to reveal of the next Final Fantasy. I what I want is I want an exclusive from software title uh just because it means we'll get another from software title you know what i mean i don't i don't really super care that it's exclusive but i'd love if you know xbox funded them to put out another game that'd be dope um it'd be interesting if they partnered again with platinum right after the whole situation with Scalebound, if they're kind of like you know talk through everything and is like hey that didn't go so well for either of us. Kind of left a stain on both I of us. How about we try to work again together? Platinum, did, wasn't there just some news about how Platinum's like trying to get to where it's publish, publishing its own game so that it doesn't have to rely on companies like Nintendo, for example? Exactly, yeah. So it's, it's probably not likely. Um, yeah. It just, at what point are they in that? Are they willing to like, you know, if Microsoft approaches them with a blank check or a big check, you know, it's like, well, we can do one more <laughs> partner project sure. on our way to, sure. you know. 
So it's just good that to see that he's continuing to try to build that relationship because he knew how severed it was. And it wasn't a one-year commitment. He's gone. Well, we've talked about this, I think, as long as the podcast has been going. That Phil's been going down to Japan. So excited to see what happens there. Uh, the demo's coming out for Fantasy Star Online 2 in, in the coming weeks and month. Uh, people have wanted to play that in the West for a while. So Phil was a huge part in that, of making that game available in the West for the first time. So. Big deal for a very small amount of people. Yeah, and that's something that it doesn't exactly. It's a small amount of people, right? So it's like, yeah, they did that because they knew it would ring true with a lot of hardcore people, and it wouldn't be this huge splashing headline. So, in Phil, we trust. Hopefully, good on he nails you, it Phil. <laughs> As previously mentioned, we got those Nintendo financial results before doing the podcast. Dom and I talked about some of these insane numbers that we're about to about to mention because, good lord! And by the way, these numbers are. All. These numbers are only up to December 31st, so there's still another month of sales we don't know about. Hey, Jared, how's that Pokemon game selling on the new Nintendo Switch? Well, we'll start with the Nintendo Switch. As of December 31st, 2020, or 2019, it has sold 52 million units. Wow! Yeah. <laughs> oh, and- my, Jared. I had heard people talking about this. I had heard you guys talking about this. But, of course, since Dom gives zero context to (laughs) anything he talks about in our chat, I didn't know what the actual number was. And so I was like, you know what? I'll just let it happen. Jared's going to say it out loud, and it's going to be 20 million, and I'm going to go, wow. And then you said more than twice that, and I said, wow. It's the power of it being so, yeah. a, a handheld hybrid because handhelds sell like crazy for Nintendo. And you have the fact that it's also oh. technically a oh. console. So you have the people who normally wouldn't buy a Nintendo handheld but would buy a console buying it. And the people who would buy a handheld buying it as well, right? So you're kind of double dipping maybe there. That, yeah. Maybe there's actually a lot of crazy motherfuckers buying both copies of the game. Oh, no, this both, is for the Switch, not for Pokemon. Oh, that okay, what? <laughs> yeah this makes a lot more sense now yes i was like how did they sell 52 million copies of pokemon in uh, in six <laughs> holy weeks holy shit yeah you were actually pretty close to your first guess though yeah nonetheless what were we gonna say dumb jordan was pretty close with his first guess but you'll get to it i was gonna say besides that though um this 52 million sounds really really damn good but then yeah what you just mentioned kind of makes me rethink it slightly i, I mean I, this is still really good but we also have to keep in mind that, like, along with this, they're missing out on handheld sales that they would normally have at this time, right? Because 3DSs probably aren't selling much of anything nowadays. So that's kind of an interesting thing you got to keep in mind, too, where normally their business model has both of those. Granted, handhelds are usually cheaper than $300, I guess, but it's just an interesting... Uh, but I, the, I, hadn't, the... I hadn't considered that. The crossover, it's usually staggered when they... Re- like, they don't usually release a handheld and a console at the same time, right? Obviously. Their mm. their biggest crossover was the DS and the Wii, right? Because both of those things were selling like hotcakes. But then after that, you had the 3DS selling exceptionally well, but then the Wii U <laughs> selling next to nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, merging both of them together, it is weird because they are kind of losing out on the sales of somebody buying two of them. But then you have the idea of, well, they want people to buy two of them anyways, and they're marketing that way. So instead of somebody buying a, you know, a, a Wii and a DS, they're buying a Switch and a Switch, you know? 
So yeah, which makes the the Switch Lite uh, make a lot more sense too, right? Way cheaper, and even though it's handheld only, um, it kind of fills a lot of that gap that they would would have been feeling without a handheld selling too much. And parents are way more likely to buy something that can't detach from itself for their kids. You know, that's all in yeah. one like brick I thought thing. About that, like I am always worried about my Switch breaking, and you know I, I've had hardware issues with that motherfucker, and I am disappointed in Nintendo to say the least so how the fuck would I have a child and give it a switch <laughs> and expect it to last yeah no chance because that's what you got uh Pokemon Sword and Shield these are the numbers that Jordan wanted to hear first we'll get to them now okay yeah let's do it in six mind you six weeks that this game was on yes. sale 16 million million units. Whoa, Jared! Whoa, fifty-two million <laughs> copies sold. You'd have to convince me of that, or I'd be a fool. Sixteen million units sold, uh, which it's Sounds already right. past the lifetime sales of X and Y and Sun and Moon. To put that into perspective, Sun and Moon. Wow. It, it's yeah. projected currently by analysts to be the second best-selling Pokemon generation of all time, behind Red and Blue. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, which is insane. And remember, this game was supposed to get, uh, you know, boycotted because of the National Deck situation. <laughs> oh, these gamer boycotts. Remember the whole story about, like, Call of Duty? Everyone's going to boycott yeah. Call of Duty. And then there was the, the yeah. Steam screenshot of everybody playing it in the group that said, don't buy Call of Duty this year. So funny. Yeah. It, so this is good. the power of Pokemon, man. Ugh. The power of Pokemon. The power of Pokemon. Um... <laughs> So, what was I going to ask? Don't you think they wish now that they would have fucked off with Sun and Moon Ultra and just gone straight to, let's say, stars on the Switch? Possibly, but part of this makes me think of, what about all those people who saw Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu and were disgusted and were, you know, fiending for that first taste of actual Pokemon on the Nintendo Switch? And that led yeah. to them, you know, for sure buying this. Um, Possible. And they probably picked up some fans along the way with Let's Go. I know they did. A lot of them. I yep. hate to say it, but both Pokemon Go and Pokemon Let's Go were a lot of people's first Pokemon games. Which, ugh. I'm not even talking <laughs> about kids. Like, if you're a kid, that's not your fault. But you're an adult. Really? And Dom and I talked about this, too, when we were, when we were mentioning these sales is that I knew a lot of people growing up who played the original Pokemon games on the Game Boy and Game Boy Color and even the Advance. And then after that point, some of them would buy the consoles, right, the GameCube and the Wii, but they wouldn't buy the handhelds. And they're like, man, if a mainline Pokemon would come to the console, I'll buy it. I just don't want to play on handheld. They're kind of double dipping here because you have the people who buy the Nintendo handhelds, the people who buy the Nintendo consoles, and the, the overlap there of the Pokemon fans, right? So it's like just yeah. dipping into all of those. Um, and we talked about this before the game release of like, yeah, this will probably be the best selling game on the Switch, you know, and it's it's headed there real quick. We had some other sales numbers, though. Not super impressive like Pokemon, but still pretty impressive in their own right. Luigi's Mansion 3 and Super Mario Maker 2 both passed 5 million units sold. Uh, not Man. surprising for Super Mario Maker 2. Really awesome for Luigi's Mansion 3. You know, yeah, that's a game that if it doesn't yeah. sell well, they could just be like, yeah, we're kind of done with that sub franchise for a while. But Honestly, the fact that it sold as well, super good. 
I cannot uh, believe that. Like, I can yeah. believe Mario Maker. Five million in its first few months for Luigi's Mansion 3. A sequel, mind you, to a 3DS game. Yep. That's and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you couldn't have this on the year Luigi. It had to happen years later. Uh, it, the release date for that, too, on Halloween was a super smart marketing thing, too, you know? Um, next up, Link's Awakening. Yes, so- yes, but I want more Halloween stuff before Halloween. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Get me in the mood beforehand. Otherwise, there's one day for me to see your movie that you released on Halloween. Or it's like November and I'm going to see a Halloween-themed movie. Come on. One thing to mention, too, with the Pokemon stuff, Pokemon games were normally $40. They're $60 mm-hmm. now. Yeah. So this yeah. thing brought them a lot yeah, more Dom money. Yeah, mentioned that in our chat, and I was like, yeah, that is a very good point because people are used to paying a little less with 3DS games, and... That clearly didn't matter at all. Speaking of, thank you for that transition, Jordan. Link's Awakening Always. sold 4 million copies. Uh, I was one of those busters that paid the 60. Yep. Uh, Me too. <laughs> I still really enjoyed that game. I don't mind paying 60. I'm still upset that it cost 60, but I really enjoyed my experience with it. Uh, next up, Fire Emblem Three Houses, another game that needed Stop. to kind of sell well for the franchise. Wait. Eight million. No, two and a half. Fuck! I, <laughs> I wanted it to be on Fire Emblem. No. And it's still good for Fire Emblem. It's still pretty solid for Fire Emblem, but... Uh, yeah, it, Two not, and a not half? Dude, like, Luigi's Mansion just dunked on your ass. Holy <laughs> shit. I want and a t-shirt that has a picture of Luigi, and it says Luigi's Mansion just dunked on your ass. <laughs> <laughs> and then just the 18 Fire Emblem characters from Smash Bros. <laughs> like, yeah, under the hoop. Yeah. Uh, lastly, Astral Chain and Marvel Ultimate Alliance both sold 1 million units. Here's the thing. That 1 million might not sound like a whole lot, but for Astral Chain... It's actually really huge for Platinum because 84% of the sales were in the West, which is huge. I would say that is good for Astral Chain. I had hoped that, or I was thinking it would probably be closer to the Fire Emblem area. Yeah. But I got to say, man, Marvel Ultimate Alliance only selling a million. I think that a (laughs) a lot of people were just like me and Jared going, I cannot pull that trigger yet. Hey, and the entire run of Jordan on this podcast, we held strong because I'm not buying it in four weeks. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, I'll wait. Not a chance, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, some pretty good stuff. Nintendo, um, Matt Piscatella, our boy over at the MPD, said that he expects the overall annual numbers for Nintendo Switch uh, hardware sales to drop in 2020, uh, but he still expects it to be the leader by far in terms of hardware. He thinks that it'll easily outsell the Xbox Series X and the PlayStation 5, which isn't too surprising. Um, okay. Here's the last bit of news, guys. We got some Real rumors. Quick, what were his predictions before the last console generation, Jared? <laughs> I don't think he was a part of MPD uh, in 2012. Well, but wasn't he the one saying that it was like going to be the last generation or was that some other guy? No, you're thinking of I'll, I'll pull up his name now. Pactor. He's the Pactor. he's the one that's like uh Michael Pactor. Uh, Michael Pactor. There you go. Yep. He that's that guy. It's like consoles are dead, mobile games are the future. The future's now, old man. Last week with Chris, <laughs> wow. uh Topher Noons, we talked about these Kotor rumors. 
this week we have some more sources talking about uh, a game that's in development this being resident evil 8 so boys here are the rumors you know what I gotta say, Resident Evil. If I leave you with nothing else on this show, Jared, it is Resident Evil. Yeah, I, I say it a little fast like most people do, and it all gels. Everybody into... does it. Everyone <laughs> yeah. does it. I am the Crusader. I'm laying down my lance, but before I do, I must. you must hear my cry. It's like the, the the MMA fight's over, but when the ref's not looking, you just give me one little like jab in the, in the ribs. Yeah, just, just like, like ah. get you in the ribs real <laughs> yeah. quick. Uh, so Ethan from Seven is going to be the protagonist. Obviously, he was the new protagonist in Seven that had to deal with the Baker family. In Resident Evil Seven. Uh, set in first person again. Obviously, this is huge because people didn't know if they were going to continue with the first person uh, view or if they were going to go back to third person. This one isn't a rumor though. Capcom confirmed to Eurogamer after all of these rumors, uh, you know, got oh. reported on that it is going to be first person. So they're like, okay. we're not gonna, we're not gonna talk about any of those rumors, but yeah, it's first person. <laughs> it's really yeah, weird. yeah. It's like, except for the one rumor that we are gonna talk about. That's smart to get ahead of though, because that is a very contentious thing in the franchise's fan base, right? People, some people love the the classic third person with the tanky controls. Obviously, the remakes have fixed some of that. <coughs> Other people felt that. Switching to first person really brought back a lot of those horror elements the franchise was winning, uh, winning, losing <laughs> uh, over the course of five, six, and then they waited to see what happened with seven, right? So, it's next. It's so weird how the uh, trajectory of the Resident Evil franchise has come about in the last few years because people have been saying, like, <clears throat> oh, they'll. They'll do this Resident Evil 2 remake and then uh, they'll remake the third game. Or, oh, it looks like they're going first person with the mainline franchise. And I guess the Resident Evil 2 uh, remake, that'll be third person just like that game was. And I bet they'll do this like branching style between the two games, like the remakes and the mainlines. And I was just like, huh. Because usually people aren't as spot on. <laughs> yeah. But I would just say that the general consensus has been exactly what has happened with the Resident Evil franchise. Yeah. And so one of the big criticisms with Seven, obviously some people had issues with the first person, but a lot of people didn't like the molded, which were like the weird like fungus type black monster yeah. things. Yeah, this yeah. says that zombies are returning. So they're kind of <laughs> ditching the molded. They're bringing zombies back. There's going to be a new enemy type. Uh, werewolves, but obviously like Resident Evil-ish werewolves, not your traditional, uh, what you think of, uh, you know, in the Twilights and the Underworlds. Uh, hate that I mentioned those two film franchises in the same (laughs) sentence. Uh, uh, the one thing I didn't mention off the top, this was kind of, this wasn't as, this wasn't put in multiple places like the rest of these. Some of these, uh, sources were saying it's going to take place in a Transylvania type location. Um, which gives way to the werewolf type enemies. Uh, there's going to be a new stalker enemy type. Um, and lastly, Chris Redfield will return in some form. Obviously, spoilers if you haven't played Resident Evil Seven. Uh, he was he was in the end of that game. So I want to know from you guys so, real quick. We don't. Sorry, go ahead, Jordan. I was just gonna say, um, what was I gonna say? I don't know. Never mind. 
do you guys think it's smart that they're sticking with Ethan and not going back to some of the more beloved characters with eight? And do you think it's a smart call to stick with first person now that they have these two kind of, you know, they have the remakes that are in third person, giving people that nostalgic feel for the franchise. And now they have first person bringing in a modern audience while still capturing the essence of the RE franchise that, you know, fans have loved for years. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, It allows them to potentially release these all these games closer together yeah they're they're yeah. different enough um in kind of fundamental ways that it it doesn't feel like oh here's another resident evil same as the last one it's, it's different annualize. enough and it allows them to yeah annualize it um and still allow like yeah some of that creative freedom i guess to do things a little differently in each and i think that'll help uh at least cr- help the games critically and probably sell better too just uh just because it's just different it's just a different style so i think that's good yeah and Ethan, you're cool with them keeping him and not going to like a you know a character people already love. Yeah, I mean, because they already keep it first. I, because like like you already hinted or whatever, part of the rumor is yeah, Chris Redfield still is going to be in this game, so it's not like they're abandoning, uh, you know, all the characters. And I'm sure someone else will pop up too at some point in this game that they're keeping a secret, right? Um, so like I'm yeah like let's have new people also. Also, it's first person, so wouldn't Ethan be the smarter choice? Because if you did pick one of these beloved characters and it was first person, people would complain even more that they don't get to see them all that often, right? So picking Ethan is like a way around that of like, yeah, this isn't a character everyone necessarily loves, but he will be our protagonist moving forward, so we can go with first person. Yeah. So I remember what I was going to say. It was, do you think that Capcom... Uh, confirming the one piece of this rumor kind of confirms all of it. I mean, there's there's a point there. It's the fact that they didn't comment on them, but they decided to comment on one part of it. It's like, yeah. well... And they, they confirmed it. They didn't deny it. They confirmed one part of it. So it's like, if you're giving credence to a little bit of it, then it's probably got to have some fact because the way leaks currently work is... Of course, there's... You can usually smell it out. Like, if it's somebody just bullshitting, there are a lot of telltale signs. And then there are, on the other hand, true sources that you know work at a company. And they end up being right much of the time. And a lot of times the things that they're wrong on just get taken out of a game or a movie, whatever gets leaked, right? So... Yeah. I think that's probably got to be the case here, where this is an actual source who, of course, got this one thing right that Capcom uh, confirms, and then all the other stuff is probably not that far off if if they're confirming it and if, you know, they at least got that much right, you know, so. And them showcasing uh, RE7 with the kitchen demo at PlayStation's E3 years ago I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see this pop up at the PlayStation 5 reveal event, you know, because this would get a pop. It's like, oh, RE8, you know. Um, I can't we'll wait to see what the game lineups for those are going to be like, man. I mean, <clears throat> I know a lot of people are really excited about the specs, and of course there is a lot to be excited about uh, there. I think that they're going to be powerful enough. Uh, I'm hoping for 4K30 at this point, but we'll see. Really, I'm just excited to see the possible Horizon 2s and Spider-Man 2s and the, you know, whatever we see on the Xbox side. Of course, Hellblade 2 is a part of that. Um, 
you know, we're, we're talking about like Cyberpunk and Final Fantasy VII Remake and uh, the Avengers right now is like the big games that we're concerned about coming out soon, even though they all got delayed. Um, but then it's going to be this whole new thing of like all these other games that are close, guys, that we don't even know about, that are not even on the edge of our imagination, that are playable this fall, you know. That's that's really cool. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait. It's going to be exciting. Hopefully that there PlayStation go, event happens before episode 180. I hope it happens before episode 180. Uh, let's talk about what we've been playing. Last week I mentioned Minute and a couple of other games, and I had completed Minute. This week I started and finished the game all within the same week again. Another Game Pass title, a game that I had been meaning to get to since last year, a game that was underrated by a lot of people and a lot of people didn't play it despite the first one getting really good reviews and people loving it guacamelee 2 okay, i okay. started and finished this game in two play sessions it took me about eight and a half nice. hours i just Whoa. yeah it's just one of those games that i continued playing and didn't want to put down the controller i yeah, really loved it hours yeah well i think one day was like uh, i think one day was sunday and since there was no football i just went ham and then the next day, it was like a couple more hours into it, you know? Oh, okay. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so it wasn't really 4-4. Four, four. It was like 6-2.5, <laughs> you know? So you really loved it then, huh? I'd, it's it's my junk food for, of video games because it's a platformer <clears throat> that has fun but not difficult combat that lets you do all these fun moves. It doesn't take itself seriously. has a story that really doesn't matter. It pokes humor at itself. The cool thing with the sequel is that it introduced uh, the ability for Juan, the main character, to turn into a chicken. So there's a secondary aspect to the combat with the chicken where there's different moves. But that also ends up with entirely specific areas of traversal for the chicken. And there's these specific chicken dungeon runs that you have to do with it that are like difficult platforming that change up the game in a way because the chicken moves and feels different than Juan, which is like the big lumbering guy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's, it didn't, in many ways it is more of Guacamelee. It didn't do anything exceptionally well to move, you know, the, the franchise forward, but it didn't need to for me. It was just that junk food for me to get in and play and have fun. And yeah, I just, some of it I paid attention to a lot of it. I was listening to podcasts while playing it, but I didn't really take away from the fun I was having. Um, yeah. yeah, I just, I really enjoyed that game. Once again, excellent game pass title was able to play it and get done with it. And I can move on to other stuff, but I'm kind of upset with myself for not playing it sooner because a, it's not a huge time commitment, right? It was only eight and a half hours and B I knew I was going to like it and it got good reviews. I just never got around to it. Sure. So the lesson I learned Shout from this is that, yeah, shout out to Drinkbox. There's some cool severed Easter eggs in uh, the game as well. I didn't play it, but obviously that was uh, their last game before this. Um, yeah, I just if you're into platforming and, and like melee, uh, you know, arcadey action, definitely give it a go. Um, I, the thing I learned from this is that if I know a game's not going to be a big time commitment, I need to just get over. That like game start paralysis. I don't know if you guys go through this where you want to start mm-hmm. up a new game, but you're not sure which game. And 
you just instead it's like the netflix uh thing right the netflix browse situation you're like i want to watch netflix you hop on netflix you go through your list of like all of these movies you knew you wanted to watch but then you're just like paralyzed by choice and then you spend that whole time you could have had playing a game or watching a movie looking through the games and the movies right so jared need to i get would say that, that that feeling is exacerbated by video games because not only do you have to click on the thing, whatever it is, but you also, with games, if you're starting a new one, you have to learn it. Yeah. And so, I remember as a kid, before we were able to preload games onto our consoles and play them at uh, for the central time zone, I can play it at 11 p.m., right? Um, on a Monday night before it comes out on a Tuesday. Uh, before we could do that, as a kid... I really wouldn't start new video games if it was nighttime, really. Because it's like, it's going to take me some time to get into this, figure out what the fuck's going on, controls, tutorials, yada, yada, yada. And I would just feel like, ah, I'm too tired, you know? Or like, it's, it's already nighttime, like, fuck it, I'll start it during the day when I have some time. I was a kid, obviously I had, you know, more free time back then, but it's like, Games take that extra step. You know, they, they require a little bit more. Just like a book requires a little bit more than just sitting back and watch a movie, watching a movie. There is uh, the tutorial aspect of gaming. Yeah. Especially, it's it's heavily dependent on the genre too, right? Of like, how oh, much yeah. learning do I have to do, you know? Ugh. Dude, like, Persona games, you're not even really starting the game until... Pfft, five six hours in jesus christ like you're starting the game you're yeah getting introduced to the characters and you're learning the combat and all that but the tutorial does not end for hours and hours later uh nothing else really to mention of note i played some more nba 2k I played some more remnant from the ashes uh that's pretty much it for me the big thing was guacamole 2 really enjoyed it uh i want a third one now <laughs> and i will play it a lot sooner than i played this one um, but yeah, that's it for me. What about you guys? Did you play the first the first one? Yeah, I loved that one. I didn't play it actually gotcha. until the it was like the Guacamole X XL version or something. It was like the deluxe DLC. version of that game. Uh, yeah. That's when I learned about it, played it, loved it, got all the achievements in, if I remember correctly. And then when they announced Severed, I was kind of disappointed. I was like, oh, I was hoping they'd do a sequel. Then they announced a sequel, and I was a hypocrite because <laughs> I didn't even play it for a long time. So yeah. You guys, what have you guys been playing the last week? Man, a whole shit ton of days gone. Oh, nice. Nice. And, I, and I've talked about it a lot before, so I won't dwell too long, but it, it gets better. It just keeps getting better and better. Um, even the, the story especially, I've been surprised at how engaged I've been um, with what you would you know assume is another, another fucking zombie story. Um, and of course, like a lot of the same tropes as like The Walking Dead and so on are in this, um, but it also does a lot of enough new stuff um, that makes it different. And the characters are all, uh, mostly all, like really interesting and really engaging. Um, but uh, yeah, and even to this point though, I still, so surely if you've even paid attention to the slightest bit to this game is they have like Walking Dead style hordes of zombies, right? Where there's literally like hundreds of them on a screen. Yeah. And I, I got to be like approaching 30, 40 hours into this. And I still, 
Um, I tried once to take down a horde, and it, it's just it was just no, you just can't do it. No, um, no. And even still, I'm like, I'm not even gonna try again yet because I'm like, I still there's still so much gear that you can see that you will get, but it's you know still inaccessible. Um, and, and I'm just like, no, I, I need to do all, I need to be able to get all this other stuff um, before I even try. But yeah, the cool part of it that the cool part of that though is um, that having a motorcycle, you do have like a even though you can't beat them, like you have just such freedom to, you know, you're obviously really fast, um, especially as you upgrade your bike, but you can weave in and out of tight spaces and, and you know, slide past giant groups of zombies. Um, and that's like surprisingly fun to do. Uh, but yeah, I, I just, it's, it's a great game. And I had the ending of that game spoiled and I will say it's dope. Obviously, I don't want to say anything. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, the ending of that game is re- way cooler than I thought it was going to be. Uh, Can we and, have Dom take his headphone out for five seconds? Uh, yeah, let me see this one thing real quick, though. I need to wait for him to put his that. headphone just back spoil in. Just spoil it. Just spoil it. Uh, spoil it. Uh, you put it back on. Tell him Tell him no. Put that. Say no. <laughs> say no. So, no. I don't want to spoil right, it back. for him. No, no, uh, no. Jared, you're supposed to spoil it for me. No, I know. I was telling you to tell him no to not put the headphone back on so I can say it. Oh, you gave okay. me a thumbs up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, gonna, yeah. Dom, he was going to say something before you took your headphone out. Jared, say that part. Oh, okay. Uh, after you're done with it, because I don't think you'll do this, you need to Google the 100% completion reward cutscene. That's all I'll say. Oh, yeah. Because I doubt you'll go for the 100% in it, but you should look it up because it's really cool. Now, take off your head thing. I'm definitely going to get the... I'll definitely get the platinum because apparently that's pretty easy to do after you beat the game. But okay, we'll see. so maybe you'll see it. Take off your headphone. He'll give you a thumbs up when I'm done. So real quick, Jordan, you know yeah. how the guy's missing his wife and he thinks she dies, right? Yeah. At the end of the game, he goes to this encampment. I'm trying to do this, you know, too long didn't read. Goes to this encampment. He's like, oh, we need medicine, yada yada yada. They're like, okay, go see our doctor. Walks into the doctor's tent, sees his wife. He's like, what the hell? I can't believe. And she's acting like she doesn't know who she is. She's like, I don't know who you are. What are you talking about? I could help you. What medicine do you need? And he's just like mind blown of like, you don't remember me? Like super heartbroken. Once the other people in that place leave, because it's supposed to be like a very like angry, aggressive group of people. She's like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Yada, yada. And she like breaks character and be like, basically saying like, oh, I was faking it because I didn't want them to know I knew you. Yeah, it's a really cool uh, twist. <laughs> uh, tell me he's good, yeah. He's good, he's good. Were, were those reactions uh, dra- dramatized, Jordan? I mean, yes, but I was still <laughs> I was still into it for sure. It, okay. it's, a, it's a cool Fox. twist for a game that I'm like, this is just Sons of Anarchy with zombies. It's, it's a cool twist. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyways, uh, is there anything else besides Days of Gondom, or is that all? That's been it. I mean, I'm sure there's stuff I've been watching and stuff, but nothing that if it doesn't come to me, it must not be that important. Yeah, Jordan. Okay. Um, I might be having some connection issues. I apologize if it sounds weird. Anywho, uh, Jared last week, of course, uh, spoke about the Silmarillion, which I have still been dumb, been reading aloud to myself, and. It is the way to fucking go, man. At least for me personally. Tell him about the fireplace thing. Yes, with Tolkien stuff. So, Dom, I also... uh, When I read, I like to put stuff on in the background. Jazz music, whatever. 
recently I've been doing fireplaces on YouTube on my TV and recently the Japanese Pokemon channel on YouTube released its first official ASMR where it has Charmander sleeping next to a campfire and periodically he lights the campfire with his tail and it is perfection. <laughs> he cannot look any more unimpressed unless his camera froze. Yeah, I think he's been frozen. So maybe it's not me having the connection issues. Nonetheless, I can keep going. Um, so I've <laughs> been reading was... the Silmarillion. I think he was yeah, doing a stone it, face. I was like, oh, yeah, there you go. You he's back. He's back. Like I was completely confused. Completely robotic there for a second. I thought he was mean mugging or something. Yeah. Yeah. But I've been, I've been having this wonderful campside fire uh, with Charmander in the background. And then I uh, have been reading aloud to myself the words of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and... I think that, for me, is the way that those books were written to be kind of like oral histories or oral stories like that we would tell around a campfire with your Charmander, you know, and have him light it up if it goes out. Um, so, loving the Silmarillion. Haven't got back to the Witcher stuff yet because I just kind of diverted on this, like, fantasy tangent uh, reading-wise, but definitely definitely still enjoying that and of course gentlemen i've been reading plenty of comic books um i'd like to give a shout out to a few certainly invisible kingdom uh by g willow wilson who is someone who uh i spoke about recently on the show with her wonder woman run that ended uh not so long ago and really loved that run and that's how i discovered her work uh, I think she's the creator of Kamala Khan, Jared? Sounds right, yeah. Yeah, so I know she had a big run on on that book. I'm pretty sure she was the one that created that character, Magnificent Miss Marvel. So, um, Invisible Kingdom is about these, like it's like space nuns is kind of how she herself describes it. Um, these nuns in space, it's definitely very female- feminist focused and has a lot of that energy to it with the female rider of course um and that's something that she can you can tell is very much important and one of her passions for her um and i'm i really appreciate the way that that's being presented and i think that the uh two main characters are both females doing totally different things with totally different um, aspects of their characters and I think that it's really well done the art is gorgeous the colors are gorgeous um, and it has a lot of uh, dune inspiration which I'm very much fond of it has a lot of fantasy inspiration in general which it, uh, dune is a big part of too but um, invisible kingdom is a very cool comic it's nine issues in I think the ninth issue came out yesterday yeah so um big shout out to that one that's a image book it's it's a indie uh comic so definitely worth the recommendation i'm not i don't think i've talked about it on the show i guess not since it was the first time i mentioned it to you jared but big shout out to 
Strange Skies over East Berlin, which is something that uh, I heard about from you, Jared, because I brought up, you brought up Jeff Loveness, and I was like, where have I heard that name before? He had done a special recently, it might have been Deadpool or something, an annual that I read, and then um, I enjoyed that, and then hearing you talk about him writing Strange Skies over East Berlin, I was like, oh, what's that? It's a little mini-series. Uh just all about espionage and lies the lies that we tell is the real big theme in it and it is um, very strange sci-fi cold war fiction and it is fucking fantastic it's like four five six issues at most and it is really really well done so thanks for that wreck jared um I guess I'll shout out one more think about a superhero one I want to talk about the new Thor from Donny Cates which we were just talking about which is two issues in of course I've been a huge fan of Donny Cates and the work that he's doing over at Marvel and uh, Thor where he's taken him with the uh, I can't remember the artist's name but the um, visual design that they're going with and then the writing from Donny Cates uh, taking him on an adventure with Galactus as a herald of Galactus. Um, it is a really cool new start for the character, which just wrapped up a very cool long run from the writer Jason Aaron. So, excuse me. It is uh, fantastic so far, obviously only two issues in, but uh, Marvel has some... Uh, new comics that they've started here in 2020 that are very exciting to me so far and um, not quite seeing that on the DC side I would say so uh, big shout out to uh, Donny Cates on Thor huge shout out to Al Ewing on Guardians of the Galaxy which he picked up from Donny Cates uh, which his, also, his run I also enjoyed so um Marvel in 2020 so far hitting a good note so yeah did not play any video games no video games not a single one um, no but uh, I will be playing Injustice 2 soon enough because I uh, also read some Injustice as well read volume 4 part wait year 4 volume 1 sorry so um I'll be playing Injustice 2 soon, and I should have played that game a long time ago, but I'm, I'm kind of glad I read the comics, and uh, just really cool that we have such a talented fighting game studio making DC comic book fighting games that are the real motherfucking deal, if, they, if there ever was one, so shout out to NetherRealm. Crazy thing is we might get two Injustice games in between the last Batman game we got and the next Batman game we get. Ugh. Ugh. Well, <laughs> technically, there's the Telltale stuff, technically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True, true. Um, that's been it for this week's episode, episode 176. Yeah. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. Somebody already has. I told the guys before we started, five we got our first stars. review, and it was five stars. So, yeah. it's a double. Thank you. you know, not only did they go out of their way to review our podcast, they gave us five stars, you know? So... I want uh, that good there. To know that you are a five-star individual. Yep. 
Next, if you go over to YouTube, search controlled interests, uh, hit the subscribe button. Uh, and if you do, there's a bell next to it. Hit that. It lets you know when we upload videos. YouTube's uh, sub boxes aren't really trustworthy. Um, they're a lead character in Strange Skies of Reese Berlin. Uh, <laughs> you can't trust him. Got to use that bell notification. Like the videos yeah. if you like him as well. Helps in the dreaded algorithm. Uh, if you head over to Twitter and you want to get it, uh, you know our updates via tweets, I am at Jared underscore, Dom is at Dom's Oreos, Jordan is at Melamotus, and collectively you can find us at Controlled Interests, which is at C-T-R-L-I-N-T. It's an abbreviated form of Controlled Interest. We have, give or take... Four or five weeks left with Jordan. Can't uh, wait to you only uh, gotta deal with me for a little longer. <laughs> you didn't let me finish, so like the way you cut me off, it made me sound like I was about to say, "Can't wait till he's gone." <laughs> oh uh, no, no, no. Yeah, uh, I. It's it's gonna be a change, but it's it's gonna be interesting. I'm not gonna promise that there will be a third host immediately. It'll probably be me and Dom for a while, but we might end up getting a third host. They can never replace Jordan, but they will hopefully bring their own unique flavor to the podcast. Absolutely. But yeah. Thank you guys for listening. If you've listened since we started back in 2016, thank you guys. We're going to be ushering in a new a new era of controlled interests uh, all new, without all Jordan. Different. All new, all different, way less hair. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. That's yeah. a fact. Uh, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys next week. Bye.